Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. With your power and your strength and your might, Lord God, and your heart. And Lord, I just ask that we, we just open our hearts to receive all that you have for us this day. I thank you for filling us. You said, come to me, those that are hungry and thirsty, and that you would fill us. And so, God, we come to you hungry and thirsty. We come to you hungry, Father. And I just ask that you fill us this day. Amen. Amen. have my Bible on my phone app. I forgot my um, paper one at home, so this will be a little more challenging. Um, yeah, what, what version is that one? Okay. Well, I got my glasses here. We'll try both. Can you grab my glasses out of there? All right. Well, happy new year. (laughs) It's the new year, and I'm happy. (laughs) Amen? All right. Uh, This has been something that I've been sitting on for a while, and um, I've just really been meditating on it even over the Christmas holidays. You know, even the nativity story, it just, oh, it just hit me so much this year of how much God wants to include his people. How much he wants to include us in his plans and what he's doing. So um, I'm going to start off with this. I'm an artist. So one of the things that we learned in school when we did art is called uh, being minimalistic. It's a form of art. So you try to do as few lines as possible to create a picture. Now, these are not my pictures. This was the examples that he used to show us what he meant before we had to do our assignments. So the first one, all right, so this is what my art teacher drew for the first picture. He says, now, what is that? What else? Anybody else? (laughs) No. No, you're not going to guess it. I can tell right now. You're too laggy this morning. No one got it? All right. You know what it is? It's two Israeli soldiers standing behind the wall. All right. See? There's the wall. That's the line of the wall. And that's just the tips of their rifles. See? That's minimalist drawing. All right, let's try the next one. Maybe you'll get this one. You might get this one because we have a Mexican in our midst. Part Mexican, so he might not get it. All right, who can tell? And and Greg, you're not allowed to say. And boys, if you remember this one, you're not allowed to say. Who, Who knows what this one is? Did you know this one? Okay, Carrie's going to take a big guess. You are pretty good at this. I think you have an art career. 
Okay, you know what this is? This is a Mexican man with a sombrero, and he's holding a frying pan, and he's frying an egg. See? It's the aerial view this time. All right. So now you see where I'm going with this. I want the next one, because this is the one I'm going to talk about. All right. I don't want you trying to guess on this one, because this is the one that I created. And this is how my mind sees it. You know, you hear a lot of, like, in the new year, people are all, uh, a lot of times are saying, oh, it's going to be the year of favor. It's going to be the year of 2020 vision. It's going to be the year of great blessings and opportunities and doors open. And it always sounds so wonderful what the new year is going to bring, right? And we always look to... Uh, What's the next word that God has? And sometimes we treat the words of God that we think we're getting, and sometimes they are from God. But we treat it with an unhealthy mindset. It's kind of almost like a fortune cookie or a, a horoscope reading. It's a lot of times how it comes across. And you know what? This is going to be a year of great favor, great blessing opportunities but guess why because every year is that for the believer because we have Christ in us and he is all we need if you are walking into this year with a pile full of crisis take heart this is your year and I'm going to show you why this is our year and see, there's a maturity that's coming to the body of Christ, of knowing who we are. There's a maturity that needs to come to you and me. That is not separate from who God is. And that's where we get it wrong when we start running from word to word to word without having a relationship with God. I remember when Greg was at Bible school, I didn't get to go because he was... Um, we, we, I had to stay at home with the three kids. And so the goal was, when God told him to go, this was his second time going, he got to go twice, and I didn't get to go at all. <laughs> See, you can't look at God and say it's not fair. He teaches us all different ways. And I said, all right, I believe you're supposed to go. And it was amazing how God did it. But I said, the condition is, every time you come home, and those kids are going for their naps. You're going to sit at this table and regurgitate every single thing you learned that morning. And I said, every book, every, I read all the textbooks. Okay, he didn't, just so you know. They gave big, big, huge, grown-up textbooks, and I read every word. No. <laughs> just saying, God. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love, I love them. <laughs> I love both of them. <laughs> but I don't feel some things are fair all the time. <laughs> Anyways. But with that, one thing that I just, I couldn't get was when people were learning things, it was like, um, 
learning to pray. It was always emphasize the technique. Okay, so, so if I pray this way, then this is going to happen. If I do this, it's going to happen. And then it'd be, oh, oh, now I'm going to do this. And now if you just do it this way, then you're going to see a person healed. And if you, if you just go over here and do that, and it was void of a relationship personally with God himself. And we can't have a, a bunch of just techniques Right? Because techniques, you know, I love it because when you go to other places and you see other countries and, and all of that, they do things different than you and me. And yet they're reading the same word. Like, you know, you think of like in communion. I've been in communions where they passed a great big loaf of bread. And you all just rip the chunk off the bread. Then I've been in places where, no, there should not be a big loaf of bread because it shouldn't be leavened. So then it's little crackers. And then I've been where uh, for communion you get a little and then you get where you share a cup and everybody sips out of the same cup. And then there's ones where um, it's real wine, then it's grape juice, and then it's you drink a whole cup, you drink a little sip. Uh, oil, when you get anointed with oil, a little dab will do you. Uh, some they pour a jug over you and they put like tarps around you. Like Who's to say? Those are all techniques. But it's faith and it's partnering with the one who's leading us. Right? And that's why the person eating the loaf of bread or the person eating the crackers are still doing it in remembrance of him. It's what's, it's like these minimalist artists, it's like, where's your perspective? What are you looking at? Because if you're just looking at trying to find, and, and Canadians, that's how we're wired. We're wired in finding all the next system, how to put things in boxes, how to be able to, you know, categorize. We put God here in this, and we do that this way. And we, we like to get it all tickety-boo, right? And sometimes we're missing it. So this is what I want to do today, is I want to show us how we're going to walk in God's favor this year, how we're going to walk in God's blessings this year. Regardless, I want you to think right now, all your crises, all the things that you've just been having a hard time with. I want you to think of all the relationships that you're trying to mend or trying to make strong. I want you to think of all those things that you've been hitting your head up against that feels impossible. Okay? Now, in the midst of all of that, there's a grand plan that God has for delivering and setting us free and prospering us in that. See, humanism teaches that happiness is the end all and be all. Man's happiness. And what's crept into the church is a humanistic mindset that we serve a God who's there to make us healthy, wealthy, comfortable, and all of those things. 
Now, does he promise us health? Yes. Does he promise us prosperity? Yes. Does he take delight in that even, it says? Yes. But that's not why we were created. The Bible says we were created for God's good pleasure. And so in life, another thing we're also promised is persecution. We're also promised many trials of many forms. We're promised these things. And one thing that I see is over and over, I mean, I've been saved since I was seven, so I've been around the block a few times. So everybody's like, woohoo, it's January. Oh, this is going to be the year of the Lord. What a good year. I don't think I can ever say someone's come up or you get the doomsday ones, but you don't get too many doomsday. It's always wonderful blessings. But then some, sometimes we don't even make it to the end of January, and we're like, well, this is a crap little year. Like, what happened here, right? That's what happens. But our eyes are on this. And so we're still gauging everything by how we're feeling. How happy am I? What's my happy gauge at? But our eyes are to be on him. And regardless of what this year holds or faces, you and I can go into such a place with him, that we are so truly blessed and filled and satisfied. Amen? Now, this picture here, this is how I see it. The big circle is like who we are. And then we take the smaller circle, and it's like God. And we fit him into our life. Um, when the kids were little, they used to watch the Donut Man. And, then, and Dunkin' Donut was the donut. He was a little donut puppet. And he'd always sing the song, Life without Jesus is like a donut. Like a donut. Like a donut. Life without Jesus is like a donut. There's a hole in the middle of your heart. And then he'd take a timbit at the end and stick it in the hall. <laughs> okay? But I want to tell you something today. This is looking at it wrong. This is not a right picture. Because that's nothing different than what the Romans and the Egyptians and all the different ones before, they... They used to make little carved, go little carved images of their gods, and they'd carry them around like they were like little keychains, so that when the even the soldiers, they'd all have their own little gods. And if you go to the Rom, you'll be able to see some of them. And they would put them in their pockets, and then at night after war with the soldiers, they'd set them up, and then they'd worship them. But they were small little ones that could just fit in your pocket. And a lot of times, I think, in Canada, we're guilty of doing this. We want to, we think God's just someone to enhance us. Or life is still all about us. But then God has a, has a place. But I want to show you how we're to look at that. That small circle is you and me. And the big circle is God. 
Because the word says that I am hidden in Christ. I am hidden in Christ. And what I want to bring out today is how we are pursued and how God is chasing and running after you and I. Even when we were yet sinners, the Bible says, he was calling us. When we get this on the inside of us, your desire to serve him changes because it's not about techniques. It's not about trying to please or appease a God like the Romans and the Egyptians did. But now it's from a relationship point of view that I love you and I am in partnership with you. So I want to bring out some scriptures because just hearing me say a fancy little schmancy, you could all go home and and I could have led you to hell and you wouldn't have known it. <laughs> right? Got to be aware of these things. Okay. Isaiah 43.1 says this. This is going to take me a little longer because this is actually slower for me than me flipping paper. It says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I have called you by name, and you are mine. You know, Every time God looks at you, it's not like you're a number. It's not like, you know what, there's a massive amount of believers out there and they all seem to have their act together. I can't seem to get mine together, but I'm, I'm just a little piddly guy in the corner that God is not even looking at. No, that's a wrong perspective. The perspective is, is that God knows you and he calls you by name. And he's not like an abusive father that's going, Greg, get over here now. I told you to get the grass, to cut the grass. What are you doing, you silly ninkerbopper? That's not who God is. He's like, Greg, Greg, I want to communion with you. I want to talk with you. I want to fellowship with you. I have so many incredible ideas, you can't believe it. And I want to share it with someone because I am so excited about what I'm about to do. See, that's why they even had prophets of old. God could have just gone his own way and did it all without our involvement. But he didn't want that. He wanted us to be included. He wanted us to be involved. There's other scriptures in Isaiah where it talks about that the, before the foundations of the earth were formed, it says that Jesus was there with the Father, and the Father was showing him all these things as he was creating the foundations. Let's turn to John, because this takes that one step further. In John, I believe it's the one that's 15. And we'll do that, I'm going to do that one in the Passion. It says, I am a true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch 
to yield a greater harvest. We're talking about abiding in him. And then it says, the words I have spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so, life, so live your life intimately joined to mine. Live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me and my words and my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When you, your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Then he says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. So think about that with that picture of God the Father was creating everything. And as he was creating it, he had his son, Jesus, with him. And he was saying, now look at this. Look at how I'm doing this. Look at what I'm doing. Look at what I'm creating over here. He was including the son because he loved him. He didn't have to include, but he was including him. And he was saying, look at, I want to share this with you. You know, I had a really good earthly father, and one thing that I learned with him is that it was so much fun in the process of doing the things. You know, my dad built a lot of things. You know, some of our furniture in our house was built by him. You know, uh, anytime we had to do a school project or something, he was in there, okay, we can create that. It's like if I got an idea, he'd say, okay, let's go out to the shop. This is how we'll do it. And then he'd have us doing it together. He could have just gone and said, okay, I'll do it for you. And then boop, brought it out. But because, you know, the, the, the fondest memories is that I got to be a part of that and enjoy doing it with him. But that's like our heavenly father. There's so many things that he wants us to experience in him and to enjoy life with him. He wants to be able to be that one that when you need to be comforted, he's like, okay, you know what? That was horrible. I, I hate that, what you just went through, but I got a plan. He's a loving God. There, there, there are things that he wants to say, okay, you know what? I don't like when you talk like that. I don't like that. Can you stop that? Because that really offends me. It doesn't matter if you got away with it. That offends me. Change that. And see, so then it makes wanting to serve him, it's not a task. It's because I desire to please him, because I know I can. Because I am the apple of his eye. Because he pursued me. I didn't pursue him. He pursued me. The same as he's pursued you. You wouldn't be here today if he, he wasn't if you weren't pursued. Then it says here, 
If you keep my commands, you will live in my Father's love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. We can continually live nourished and empowered by his love. See, God, Jesus, I mean, he, he ended up facing the cross. Oh, Greg and I have just been watching that series called The Chosen. It's kind of neat. I liked it, Daniel. Thank you. Um, and what I liked about it was just how they made Jesus very man. Like he's the son of God, but he's also the son of man. And how relational he is. And it just, it just hits me like, how many times were they trying to kill Jesus? Like, the cross was the ultimate. But it says that there were many times that they tried to take his life, and he had to, you know, slip by the crowds here. And another time they tried to push him over a cliff, and he had to walk through the crowd. Like, so he didn't have it easy. He had a lot of trials. But he was continually nourished and well-fed. You and I can be a people like that. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are this year. It doesn't matter how big of a mess we've created for ourselves. Sometimes we get that mentality, oh, well, I deserve it because I did it. Well, no, you made the big mess, but now let's partner with God and get, get through it. He says... For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Isn't that neat? So this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. You show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. But see, we're not going to be able to show the love of God to people unless we experience the love of God in our own life. Then he says, I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate friends for I reveal to you everything that I heard from my father. I don't call you just a servant because servants don't confide. Do you know we serve a living God that wants to confide in you and me? Look in the Old Testament with Abraham, Moses. How many even God says, I'm about to do this, and they challenge God. I say, well, well, why are you going to do that, God? Well, what if there's 10 in the city that are righteous? Are you still going to do it? What if there's only one, God? What if there's only one? See, he confides in us. That's the place of relationship that he wants for all of us. That intimate relationship with a loving God who wants to confide in you and me. Isn't that wonderful? Kind of makes 
our life worth living, doesn't it? When you think, you know, and, and the one thing that I got to do for a lot of years is I felt like I was hidden and in uh, my house, raising children and doing the mundane. But you know what? That was my secret garden. And as any time I look at things in life, it's like I go back to those times. They were the most challenging, most rewarding, and fulfilling times because that's where I got to know God so intimately. And there would be times that God would speak to me and say, can you pray about this? Pray about that. And he'd start to include me in his plans. I was never bored. Never bored. We, we don't ever have to be bored believers. I'll tell you, God keeps you going. Because he's always including us. He's a God that includes. And then he says this, You didn't choose me, but I've chosen and commissioned you to go into the world to bear fruit. And your fruit will last because whatever you ask of my Father for my sake, he will give it to you. So this is my parting command. Love one another deeply. I didn't, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Nathan, he chose you. He knows everything about you. He created you in your mother's womb. And he knows every single strength, every single weakness, every single detail that you're not even aware of about you. And he knows how to draw that out because he intimately knows you. He intimately knows you. It's not about what we can do for Christ. It's partnering with the living God. You're doing youth because God chose you to do youth. You didn't choose the youth. God chose you to do the youth. See, it, it puts a different perspective on it because then what do we do? We go to the, we go to him. And we give it to him. God, what about this? God, what about that? What about this issue, God? What about that issue, God? We go to him with everything. That song, I'm, we're going to sing that after. I surrender all. See, that's our job. When we surrender, God is able to break us. In some areas, if it hurts, it hurts. Like, have you ever like had a, a muscle or something, a, a pulled muscle like in your back, <laughs> it really causes a lot of pain. And you're like trying to compensate for it and like all your body's heaving. And then you get someone to adjust it and sometimes they apply pressure on it and it's like, don't you dare touch it, you're going to break me. And then all of a sudden, oh, oh, now that just feels wonderful. All the pain is gone. It's like that with God spiritually. Sometimes he, he applies pressure on an area because he sees you're all twisted out of shape. And he needs to go, no, this has to go. This, this is not lining up right. 
we can trust him with our lives. Let me see. God seeks us. He includes us in all his great works. It says that we were created for his pleasure. And he says, I encourage you, ask me, seek me. You'll find me. Knock. Pursue. Because you know why? Because you're being pursued after by him. And he says, even, even when you take a look at who Christ is, Christ was, was God in heaven when everything was created. Then he came down in the form of a man to live amongst us, God Emmanuel. And as he lived with us, then he paid for our sin with his own precious blood that we could be what? Forever put um, back with him in union. This is what it says here in Samuel, 2 Samuel 14, 14. It says, all of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Sometimes we live life like it's just going to, oh, let's just live it. Like, oh, and he just sweeps it away. Sometimes we get depressed. We're like, oh, what's the purpose? You know, we're pursuing so many different things, and it's just, it comes up meaningless. But he says, but God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. He's devising ways to bring us back to him. Now, this is something that I've practiced in my life. And, and I believe this is, is something that's really helped strengthen along the years of living with God. At 17, I started where every morning I would get up. I started out as a, I was a believer, but when I surrendered everything to him and he became Lord, that was my passion, is to allow him to be Lord in my life. And so every morning when I'd get up, I would take time to worship him. And when I'd worship him, I wasn't asking, I wasn't questioning, I wasn't going over my day. And I would take the time to just put him, take time to just worship him for who he is. And I would just start singing a song. I'd just start ministering to him, Jesus, I love you. God, you are so worthy. God, you are so, so mighty. God, you are so wonderful. God, you created the heavens and the earth. And I would do that regardless of what my night or my day or anything was like. It didn't matter about how I felt. I sometimes feel we're so feeling-based. Oh, I didn't feel like it. we got to get past our feelings, people. You, you know what's so wonderful about God? <laughs> this is what I love about God. He's bigger than our feelings. Even when we feel like, like we did not, not even engaged, he's like, just come to me. You know, sometimes I've been so angry and I'm ready to spit nails and rip, rip hair out. I didn't do that to him. <laughs> he lost it naturally. 
Tesla is now. <laughs> but you can still go to God. Even in that. You know, there's times I'm just like, God, what is up with this? Why are they always getting away with acting and behaving like that? Like, what do they think they're doing? La, 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 la. And then he just kind of goes. But regardless of all that, I take the time in the, God, I put you as Lord. And then every night before bed, I do an inventory of my day. And I give him opportunity to speak to me if there was something that offended him or something that he wasn't pleased with. And he'll tell you in a loving way. Conviction is a wonderful thing because when we're convicted, that means you're loved and sought after. When, when parents aren't engaged in raising their children. They let them do anything. They can run the streets. They're never home. They don't care if they're home or not home. You know, we see different cases. Sometimes, you know, even food is like, well, you feed yourself kind of thing. But we serve a loving God who is pursuing us, devising ways to cause us to grow intimately with him. And he's going to speak to you, and he says, look it, I don't want you behaving like that. You're representing me, and that's not good what you're doing. Or he'll say, you know what, I really love this. That was, a, that was awesome, wasn't it? Like when we get excited when you see God answer prayers, I'm like, yes, God. That, he's like, yeah, wasn't that so wonderful? Look at how I did that. Wasn't that great? And we get to participate and be a part of that. I love that about God. And then it was learning to just allow him in my day. And you start increasing and letting him fill it. Going to the grocery store. Guys or people, I'm talking to people all the time that I don't know. It's not because I'm a, not a shy person, although I'm not now. I don't think I ever was. But it's because I'm looking. Okay, God, is there someone here you want me to talk to? Is there someone you want me to reach? Because I'm not going to live mundane. I'm going to take the mundane days and make them full and rich. Because why? Not because I have to. We got to get that out of evangelism thinking we have to do that to please God. I'm just doing my day because I'm being nourished and filled. And if your day is being at home with three screaming kids that are throwing themselves on the floor and pulling a temper tantrum that is not ending anytime soon, God's there with you. In the temper tantrum. If you're facing a huge struggle in your finances, he's there with a plan. 
if you're struggling in any area, he's there. But he's also there asking, look, I have this that I want to accomplish, and I think you would be really good at this. Will you do this for me? What's our answer to a loving God? I remember at 17 saying, God, I don't want to be a beautiful parrot because they only repeat what they hear others saying. But I want to be like that dove that came and responded to the Son of God. That's what I want to be. I don't have to have the most colorful wings. Sometimes we're always looking to be the most colorful. And we're always looking for the approval of others. And we're trying to find our self-worth in how we compare to everyone. That's empty. Like Greg said last week about Ananias. That's the only thing we know about him. But he was a man that loved God. And he was a part of God's plan for Paul. It's not needing the splendiferous. It's knowing the splendiferous. It's not you or me. The splendiferous is Christ in us. In Romans 8, 26 to 27, it says the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. And it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings, the next verse, that cannot be expressed in words. See, God is so actively pursuing us, and he's God, and he's, we have the Holy Spirit. And even when we don't know how to pray for ourselves, we're, we're given groanings, and we're expressing the deep things to God. Because you know what? When you and I are born again, are made perfect in Christ and the Holy Spirit in us is crying out to the deep things of, the, of God and we just allow them it's like God I don't know what this is right now but God I'm yielding, I'm surrendering to you do you know how we get in partnership with God and how we get sensitive to hearing him by spending time. You know how we spend time? In prayer. Prayer is not, okay, a bunch of techniques. Yes, we can learn. And there are, we have to learn to use the word of God to pray. I'm not negating those things. But it's not limited to a technique. We are praying to the living God. And the living God, it says, is attentive to our prayers. He knows what we are asking even before we utter it with our mouth. 
even when we don't want to pursue him, even when we're just so angry at God, the deep part of us is crying out to him. And he knows how to devise ways to cause us not to be separated from him and how to get us close. So for this new year, God has a plan. And his plan is that he is actively pursuing his church. He is actively, and the Bible says that Jesus is seated in the heavenly place on the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. In John, let me go there quick. Let's see, I'm jumping around a bit here. John 17, 24. Do you have that one up there? This is just before he leaves. You got it? He says, Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you got the next one up there or no? Yep. You have placed upon me because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. Then they can see the glory that you have given me. See, he's wanting us to be participators. He's wanting us to see. He's wanting us to be able to, to come and lock arms with him. He didn't need us to accomplish his will, because he's God. But because he's God, he chose to include us and to get us to be a part of that. So our part is when we pray, we can ask, we can receive. Our part is that we are to show the glory of God through us. Isn't that wonderful? Think about it. Think about what he's promised us. Think about who we are and how loved we are. Makes you want to behave differently, doesn't it? Makes me want to behave differently. Because when I'm loved and pursued after like that by a living God that created everything, it's like, God, whatever you ask, I, I want to do. It's when I lose sight of that. It's when I start getting my eyes on everything that's going on. When I start looking at the bank account because I don't have enough. And I start looking at my conflicts in my relationships. And I start looking at things that I thought were supposed to happen that didn't happen. It's when I start getting wading through the muck. And sometimes this is a picture image I see. It's kind of like i got a whole pile of garbage everywhere. I've, I was always a child that was very organized. So friends, I had friends along the way that would, I remember especially my one cousin. Margie, if you're listening to this, I love you. And I know you're very neat now. <laughs> I'd go to her house and her, her bedroom would always be a great big mess. And I couldn't stand it. It was just like, how can you do that? And, and she'd be like, oh, you know, let's go do this or that. And I'm like, 
well, your mom said you need to clean your room. And she'd, like, start stuffing things under the bed, you know? And it's like, Mark, you can't do that. Like, let's clean this thing. And we'd rip the whole thing apart, and it just felt like it was never going to be able to get done. I've been in houses. Uh, sometimes I worked at a street mission when we first got married. And one house, a, a lady, she actually was very oppressed by the devil. And I went to her house, and her house was, I don't think, garbage had ever gone out. She had three small children. She had maggots coming out of the chair. And I went in there and prayed, did what we needed to do. So that being said, I see it's kind of like that. Sometimes this year that you're going into, it might look like you're walking into a room full of a lot of garbage. And it's kind of like the word of God is down underneath this whole big huge pile of junk and it can look overwhelming it's like but it's way down there the word of God is living and active sharper than a two edged sword and we can allow the word of God to start to become alive on the inside of us and there will be some things that God's put his hand on he's going to say you know what I want this to be thrown out of your life now. This is creating a mess. I want this to come out now. And you know what our option is? Yes or no. Because he loves us enough to let us choose. He is not going to force you. Yes or no. I have to surrender. There are some things I don't know how I'm going to navigate through, but I'm choosing to surrender God. I don't know how you're going to answer this, but on my end, I'm surrendering. And I'm always amazed at what a thorough, wonderful job God does. Aren't you? Even in the midst of heartache, you can be fully nourished and well-fed by God. And that's why sometimes those hardest things you go through become your sweetest things that you look back at because it got you to the closest to God. But it's ours. So his goal is, is before his glory. It's that his glory would be seen in uh, his glory would be seen through us. We get to be participators of that. There's nothing more wonderful than seeing when God moves on a person's life and transforms and heals and sets free and answers prayer. It just blows me away every time God does it. And I just like being able to be center front. That was me. I was that type of kid. Okay, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I was always the one to want to be in the center of the action. And with God, we get to be. Even when you're hidden in your house with your little monkeys, even there, you are center front with what God's doing. And he has center front 
opportunities for you and me. Even in your job that you've been at for 15 years, he has center front seats for what he's doing. You're not missing it. I'm not missing it. That's wrong mentality. Where we're missing it is are we getting fed? Are we getting nourished by God himself? And that comes by spending time with him. And then we can enjoy one another's victories instead of getting jealous and envious and feeling like we're being left out. No, I get excited. It's like, wow, look at what they're doing. Now, I joke with Bill and Kathy, and I say, how did that happen? That you get to go to Florida in the winter months. But that's because what God has for them now to increase and to grow. And many years, in the middle of winter, they've gone all the way up to Shisasabi. Well, everybody else got to go to Hawaii or Florida. Don't compare. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles 16. from that. This is my last verse. Sorry, it's taking me a bit. This is Azaz or Azaz. And he was a king. It says, As of, uh, In the 36th year of Azaz's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah, and he fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Azah, king of Judah. So what he was trying to do is he cut all the supplies off. So the only thing he had was what was available. Azah then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own palace and sent it to Ben-Hadid, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between me and you, he said, as there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. Ben-Hadid agreed with King Azza and sent the commanders of his forces against the towns of Israel. They conquered Jean, Dan, abel and all the store cities of Naphtali. And when Basha heard this, he stopped building Ramah and he abandoned his work. Then King Azza brought all the men of Judah and they carried away from Ramah the stones and timber that Basha had been using. And with them he built up Gaba and Mizpah. Okay, sounds good, doesn't it? Sound like a good plan? Went and did a treaty. Was able to break it all off. Get the stuff they were using. Build 
At that time, Hanani the seer came to Azza, king of Judah, and he said to him, Because you relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing, and now on you will be at war. Listen, this year there's going to be opportunities to rely on the strength of man, to rely on things that look good outwardly. The problem with Azza was not the technique. It was that he didn't go before God. In, in the Old Testament, they were told not to come in fellowship with ungodly nations. They were, God wanted to be their God. He wanted them separate from the world. And he wanted them... He wanted people to be able to see this is what a people of God look like. It's the same with you and I. He wants us separated from what the world is doing. He wants us behaving differently. He wants us to be a people that when people look at us, they say, oh, they, they trust in God. And that's not what he did here. And God's saying, am I not looking and wanting to strengthen, wanting to build you up, wanting to give you what I have. Am I not the God that wants to do that? And yet you chose not to, co to come to me. You chose to do it your own way. But then at the end of his life, I can't find it here. Oh, in, the, in number 12. In the 39th year of his reign, Azzah was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, he died and rested with his ancestors. Another part says, like, when the, when the seer talked to him, he got angry even, that God would even say that. Because he was even seeking prophets from other nations who didn't even serve the living God to find out what they had to say. He didn't even go to the God of Israel. So this year, let's be a people that are going to give him everything. Let's just surrender. We don't have to try and come up with the greatest scheme on how we're going to get this breakthrough, that breakthrough, and la, 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 la. Let's just surrender to him in any area that he puts his finger on. God, I surrender this to you. I want to see this developed in my life. If he shows you a weakness in your own life, God, I repent of that. You know the wonderful thing about seeing sin as sin? is when you see sin as sin, you're no longer a victim to it. That you now have given yourself the power to receive forgiveness and change. 
as long as we keep calling it, you know, a hang-up or a weakness or a this or a that, we're bound to that. But when we recognize it as sin, it's like, God, forgive me. I don't want to be this way. And there are things that he wants to establish in our lives this year. I'm not saying it's all going to be roses and sunshine. Because that's not reality. But you can be well nourished by God himself. I can be well nourished by him. And I can grow in my relationship with God in a deeper intimate way that I haven't experienced in him. And that's not feeling-based only. Yes, feelings are good when they come. But it's far more than just my feeling, because even when my feelings fail me, he's still there carrying me and getting me through it and leading me when I have no clue how to maneuver out of something. He does it. Isn't he wonderful? That's, can we have the worship team come up? It takes the pressure off of us on performing and behaving well. And it puts our eyes on him who is able. And when we spend time with him, that's where our dreams come. That's where your dreams for your children's ministry to develop and to grow in areas that we don't know how he's going to maneuver those things. That's how it went from five kids to this. And it'll continue to go to families. Same with the YD youth. There might be things this year that God says, I want you to do. That really don't seem like they're hidden. No one sees it. But God does, and he asked you. And we get to say, yes, God, I would love to do that for you. I wouldn't like to do it for my stinky, rotten husband at the moment, but I'd like to do it for you. Because sometimes we can feel like that towards one another. <laughs> I'm really picking on you a lot today. <laughs> He really is a good man. I really do love him. <laughs> He's a keeper. <laughs> but aren't you glad I'm picking on him and not you? <laughs> I know. I know he could take it. Let's just surrender to God for this year. And um, let's position ourselves to receive from him. Because the one thing that I've seen with words sometimes when people hear, oh, it's the year of favor, or it's the year of this or the year of that. When we don't have our eyes on Jesus, when horrible things maybe happen or when we just are feeling like flat, even when things are good. You know those days where sometimes you just feel flat on the inside? Or is that just me? No, we all have those days, right? And you don't even know why. You're just like, ugh. We can surrender. That's all that's required.
can we surrender our life to him and know that just like, can you pull that circle up, Aaron? Just like that circle with the circle. We are hidden in him. He's not trying to fit into us. Because if we looked at it the other way, we still have a lot of lack. But when we are fully immersed in the presence of God, there's no lack. Amen? Let's just take a moment to sing that song. joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.